Y'all can be seated. Amen. Amen. If you would, grab your Bible and open that to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're new to the Bible, that's New Testament, probably about three-fourths of the way through. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A pro tip, if you hit 2 Corinthians, just go back one book. 1 Corinthians 15, I'll give you a moment to get there. First Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, Paul says it this way. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. This is God's word. Pray with me. Father God, you are so good to us. You are so generous and kind and gracious and merciful. Lord, new mercies were awaiting us this morning that we did nothing to deserve. It's just your goodness. We thank you for that. We rejoice in your character and your nature and who you are. Lord, we love you. And we pray now, Lord, at the preaching of your word, that your people would be fed and that you would be glorified above all things. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is good to be here with you this morning. A uh, special thank you to uh, Brother Chris and Kenny for allowing me to open the Bible with your students all weekend and uh, open the Bible today with you guys. And uh, just appreciate that. Count as an honor and a privilege. My name is Josh. I'm from San Antonio. And uh, it's good to be with you this morning as we've been closing out this weekend, uh, this idea of be the light. And I pictured today as kind of a, a take-home bag, a to-go bag, if you will. You ever been there? Like you eat at a restaurant, eat a good meal, but it's so good and, and there's still some left over. So the waiter asks you, would you like a to-go bag? And they're like, yeah, box that thing up. Let's get that, you know, tomorrow. But it's important to always remember to take that with you. I don't know if you've ever done that, where you get the to-go bag and you leave it at your table. Anybody? Okay. Okay, that's just me. All right. Um, but I picture this as a, as an exhortation. As you go out, this is the call. And I believe it applies to the church at large as well. So let me start this way. Um, when I was in seventh grade, so my best friends and I, we, we had the sleepover at my buddy's house. And we decide to have a dunk contest. I know you're saying, Josh, you could dunk a ball in seventh grade? Yes. Yes, I could. Now, I'm not going to tell you how high the goal was. Okay, fine. He had one of those basketball goals that you could lower down. Okay, so, all right, fine. We lowered it all the way down. Are you happy now? Okay, fine. So we lower that thing as low as it can go, and we start having this dunk contest. And it was full of all the artistry and majesty that you would picture in your mind for a seventh grade dunk contest. It was quite amazing, I'm sure. We get down to the final round, and me and one of my best friends were, were tied. 
So I know I need a good score to win this contest. And see, I grew up as a child of the 80s and 90s. I had the privilege of watching the greatest basketball player ever. His name is Michael Jordan. Okay? And uh, I know there's some in this room that are like, but LeBron, child, please. Okay? I will pray for you that revival will come. Okay? Um, but I grew up watching Michael Jordan. I mean, just look at this image for a moment. I remember this poster. I would see it all the time. This was in a dunk contest that he was in, and he needed a good score. And so he literally got the ball, and he ran, and he took off from the free throw line and just soared majestically through the air. Boom, dunked it, perfect score, 50s all around, and he won. And I thought to myself, okay, that's going to be me. So here's what I did. I went into my buddy's garage, and I found... This is a weird 90s thing. Um, I found one of those little circular trampolines. You remember those? I still to this day, I have no idea why they made those. Like, you know, I want to jump, but just by myself. Like, what? what's the market for that? I don't know. So I went and I got one of those trampolines, and I brought it, and I put it right at the free throw line. And, there, and I get the ball, and I back way up, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm about to win. That's what I'm going to do. And so I get that ball, and I take off running, full speed, run, run, and I hit that trampoline, and what my seventh grade mind had failed to account for was the force of momentum. See, I thought I was going to hit that trampoline and go up majestically like MJ. That didn't happen. Um, what happened was I hit that trampoline, and uh, Houston, we got big problems, because All of a sudden, instead of going up, I go sideways. I rocket forward, and I'm turning parallel to the ground. Oh, no. Uh, This is going to go bad. I let go of the ball. I land straight on my chest on his gravel driveway, slide across it, cut up all over my stomach and everything. I didn't actually look like this Jordan. I looked like crying Jordan that night. And, uh, you know, my friends that night... (laughs) Never forget it. Just maybe good friends, maybe just out of mercy, pity. They gave me the championship. Like, you know, hey, that was just the effort alone. So whatever. But I learned an important several lessons that night. But I learned there's a right way and a a wrong way to take off, to launch out. Well, here we are. I'm calling this message today, how the gospel takes flight in you and in me. I want the gospel to burst forth from all of us. The theme this weekend was be the light. I want the the story that God is telling, man, to cause us to soar for the cause of Christ. See, when the gospel got a hold of the Apostle Paul, it changed everything for him. The gospel began to take flight in his heart and in his life, and then wherever he went, he was bringing it with him. So I want us to see the truth of the gospel, how that transforms us and empowers us to share it with the rest of the world. We're going to see three factors that made the gospel take flight in the life of Paul. It's going to be the same for us. We see a gospel retraced, a gospel revealed, and finally, a gospel roared. Let's get into it. First, a gospel retraced. Look again how he starts it in verse 1. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received. Paul here is laying out or retracing three ways that he's proclaimed the gospel to the church in Corinth. 
He says he's preached it, he's delivered it, and he's making it known. He's saying, look, this is the process. I've received the gospel, and I want to do everything I can to make sure that you receive this as well. He has been thorough and meticulous to the best of his abilities that these people receive the gospel. What kind of gospel is Paul retracing? Well, I want to talk about news for just a minute. I don't want to, I'm not just talking about like fake news and real news, but actual two categories of news. First one is called soft news. And you, you probably know, you've, you've experienced soft news before. Maybe you didn't know it was called this, but this is what soft news is. Soft news is things like life advice or tips or what they call life hacks, right? You'll hear the announcer come on, it's news you can use, right? And if we were to sum up what soft news says to us, it says something like, here, try this. This might work in your life. Try it. Give it a, give it a run. That's soft news, okay? Some examples of soft news would be articles or stuff like this, right? Seven ways to stretch before you work out. Four great breakfast options. Ten reasons not to use a trampoline in a dunk contest. Amen. Yes, I can, yeah. That's soft news, right? Here, try this. It might work for you. Then there's hard news. Hard news is different. Hard news are things like facts, events, things that actually happened, right? It doesn't say, here, try this. If we were to sum up what hard news says to us, it says, look at the evidence. This happened in your world. What are you going to do about it? You have to reckon with hard news. You can't ignore it. It doesn't make suggestions. It affects you. Some examples of what a headline would be. Hard news, right? The judge found the defendant to be guilty. A major storm hit the city over the weekend. Oh, I love this one. The San Antonio Spurs are five-time NBA champions. Come on, can I get an amen in the house? All right, okay. I knew there were some believers in here. I knew it, I knew it. But that's what Paul is doing. He is retracing a hard news gospel. He says, this is truth, man. This happened. And you and I, we got to deal with this. In Galatians 1, he says it like this. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, this is different than any other religion you can find in this world. Every other religion is going to give you soft news religion. Hey, here's what you need to do to have peace with God. Here's the things you need to do. Here's the steps you got to take. Strive. Work. You know what soft news religion does? It wears you out. Man, some of you in this room today, and you're worn out because you're trying to earn God's love. You think, well, if I live a good life, if I come to church on Sundays and, and even life groups, and, and if I give money when the, when the tithe, if I, if I give to the poor, if I, it's going to wear you out. You know why? Because it's never good enough. That's soft news religion. Paul retraces a hard news gospel, and he says, look, you can't ignore this. This happened. The gospel of Jesus Christ, hear me, is not a philosophy to try out in your life. It's a reality that changes everything. This is what's happened. Look at the evidence. We could summarize it like this. Soft news religion gives you things to be doing. The hard news gospel gives you what has already been accomplished. Man, when Jesus said on the cross, he said, it is finished. To telestize. What he said 
That's what he's saying. It's hard good news. It's the life that he lived that saves me. It's the death that he died that saves me. It's the fact that he conquered the grave that saves me. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus Christ has done. It's hard good news. Give your neighbor a little soft elbow. Say, it's hard good news. Tell him. There you go, right? And you know what that means? When you have hard good news like this, it means you can rest. You can rest in the gospel. What does Jesus invite us to? Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Guess what? He was preaching that to a people that were burdened with rules and all this soft news religion. Jesus says, come to me. It's about what I'm going to do. It's about what I accomplish. Some questions to think through this morning to help you process this. Am I trusting more in my deeds and performance rather than in the finished work of Jesus? How about this one? Where are my places of soft news religion? What is it that I do that I think must really impress God? Rest in him, in his work. In Christ you are secure. Retrace the gospel over and over until you remember it's about him and what he has done. Our second factor in a gospel revealed uh, is a gospel revealed. Look, at, look again at verses 3 through 6. How does Paul say it? He says, For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received. Look, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. He says, look, I received it, and now I'm passing it on to you. We could summarize it like this. A received gospel becomes a revealed gospel. You proclaim what you possess. And that's real simple and that's real true because you know this already happens in your own life. You proclaim what you possess. We do this. We do this naturally. It comes naturally. You proclaim what you possess. I'll give you an example. Um, Every June, my birthday, my mom will make me a batch or two of homemade oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. I just want to tell the church today, if you're in this room and uh, you put raisins in an oatmeal cookie, today is a day of repentance. Okay? Come and see the light. of Let the light of the truth shine in you. There's no more raisins. It's chocolate chip. She makes me these homemade oatmeal chocolate. Oh, son. They're so good. And you know what I do? I get, when she, when I receive those from her, guess what? I get excited and I'll take a dumb picture and put it on the internet, right? Instagram. Hey, I got cookies, right? We do this. We proclaim what we possess. This happens naturally. You're made to do this. This is how you're wired. Well, guess what, man? When the truth of what Jesus has done really sinks down in you, You're going to want to reveal that. I'll say it this way. If you love Jesus, you'll talk about Jesus. It won't be a burden. It won't be a hard thing. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, Psalm 107, verse 2, says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. Man, has, has Jesus redeemed your life? Has he saved you from the hell that you deserve? Then let's say something about that. Let's talk about that. Let's be excited, more excited than if you get some cookies, man. If you love Jesus, you'll talk about him. You proclaim what you possess. 
as you savor and enjoy the gospel more and more, you're going to talk about it. Here's the cool thing. You're going to see it show up in the most unexpected places. Um, in my family, my, my, my wife and I, we have three kids, and uh, we love to play board games. I'm not talking about the old school stuff like Monopoly or Uno. Listen, that, that's fine. Uh, but Princess Jasmine, there's a whole new world. There is a whole new world uh, of board games out there. A lot of really cool stuff. There's one of my favorites right there, a game called Scythe. That's an awesome game right there. You just look at the cover and like, whoa, what's going on? Uh, awesomeness. That's what's going on. But I'll tell you about one game in particular that, um, that we play as a family. It's called Stuffed Fables. Stuffed Fables. Super, super cute. Um, our family loves this game. It is a cooperative game. Um, so we either all win together or we lose together. So if you've got, like, table-flipping rage problems, maybe start with cooperative, right? Um, some of y'all elbowing each other. I see that, okay? Um, but it's a cooperative game, and the whole idea is that you play as a, a stuffed animal that belongs to this little girl, right? So what happens is at night when she goes to sleep, that's when your characters come to life. And you go on these missions to protect her from, like, nightmares and stuff like that. It's super, super cute. Um, you get these really cool little minifigures. So, like, this is, like, when you pick your stuffed animal that you're going to play as, you get one of these, you kind of move it around the board. It's really cool. And uh, because the game is called Stuffed Fables, your life in the game, your health points, your life in the game is measured by these little pieces of cotton tokens. Stuffing, Right? So, like, when you lose life, you have to give up stuffing, right? So it's super cute. I tell people it's like playing through a, a good Pixar film, if you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and what's neat is each of the stuffies that you could select, each of them represent part of the girl's personality. So, like, there's Theodora, right, her teddy bear. That represents, like, her leadership and her bravery. There's Flops, which my daughter loves, and this, like, represents her fun-loving and her joy, and then there's my boy Lumpy. That's, I mean, you can't tell me that's not cute. That's Lumpy right there. My kids make me play as Lumpy. I try not to read too much into that. Um, Lumpy is her rock, where she goes with her fears and things like that. He can handle it. And here's what's cool. Every one of these stuffies plays differently, and you have a different, what they call a special ability. Each one has their own unique special ability. And the very first night with the game, my kids, we love to open everything up and look at every stuff, and we're going through the special abilities. We get the lumpy, and this is what it says for him. It says, when another stuffy would lose stuffing, lumpy can lose one or more of that stuffing instead. So in essence, if your teammate is in trouble, and they're about to get hit by the bad guy, and they're going to have to lose some of their life, some of their stuffing. Lumpy can say, you know what? You keep it. I'll lose it for you instead. Yeah, that's good. And my middle son at the time, Seth, he was six years old. Light bulbs goes off, and he goes, Dad, Lumpy's like Jesus. And I'm like, you're right, bro. That's it. That's it. Because guess what? What does 1 John 3.16 tell us? We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See, when you're captivated by God's story, you're going to see it show up in all these places, and you're going to want to talk about it. Point it out. Draw attention to it. 
And now my kids, like anytime anybody comes to the house, they're like, tell them about Lumpy. You know, like Amazon drivers rolling up with the delivery. They're like, tell them about Lumpy. And I'm like, hey, Amazon driver. So there's this game called Stuff Fables. Uh, <laughs> but man, Paul says here, look, he says in these verses, just with the basic story of Jesus, you can reveal this gospel. You can be faithful to walk in obedience, to be the light. He says there's four things of first importance, right? He says Jesus died for our sin. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose on the third day. And all of this happened according to the scripture. There it is. You can take that message right there and go and walk in obedience to share the gospel. Listen, you don't need a, a, a ministry PhD to walk in obedience in this. If you love Jesus, you'll talk about Jesus. Go reveal what he has revealed to you. Some questions to consider here. Where have you seen glimpses of the gospel in everyday life? How can you share those moments? Or What platform or influence has God given to you? How can you maximize that for his glory? I'll tell you one other piece here. Um, I have a blog where I write pretty consistently. And um, when we started playing stuff, Fables, I wrote uh, an, an essay about how a good marriage needs lumpy. I talked about lumpy and stuff, Fables, and like in a good marriage, you need that forgiveness, you need that, that, that safe place. And so I wrote this whole thing about lumpy and how he points to the gospel and this kind of stuff. And I had no, you know, no idea where, where it was going. I just wrote it because it was entertaining and we loved it. And, um, Actually, it turns out that, I don't know how he got it, but Jerry Hawthorne, the guy who designed Stuff Fables, the maker of the game, ends up coming across my article, and he retweets it, and he starts messaging me. I'm like, what? How in the world did he get this? And here's the thing. I ended up trading some messages with him, and I was able to step into that moment and just share the truth of Jesus Christ. Here's what's the deal. I'm not responsible for what he does with that. What I'm responsible is when God opens that door, I need to step through in obedience. And that's the cool thing, man. You never know what he'll do. When you're faithful to just take one step of obedience, you never know the opportunities he's going to give you. That's not a Josh thing. That was totally God. But when you love him, you're going to talk about him. You proclaim what you possess. All right, we've seen a gospel retraced, a gospel revealed, finally a gospel roared, verses 7 and 8. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. And Paul starts going off about how the resurrection has changed everything for him. He cannot contain his joy. He starts roaring the gospel. If you read the rest of 1 Corinthians 15, you can do it later today, you'll hear what I'm talking about. He's like, look. This is the reality. This is true. This happened. And another place in Scripture is one of my favorite verses as well. Peter is preaching. He's roaring this first sermon about Jesus. And he says this in Acts 2.24. As he's preaching, he says, But God raised him from the dead, from the agony of death, look, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And let me tell you, um, I'll tell you, one of the reasons I love uh, basketball is one of my favorite sports. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. Um, is I love bench reactions. Okay, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, in basketball, if somebody 
uh, like does something amazing or really starts to get going, the bench for that team will start to get really excited. And they'll jump out of their chairs and, oh, and, and like, a lot of times they're hitting three-pointers. They'll do weird stuff with the number three, like they'll do three to their head or like bow and arrows with threes. It's just weird stuff. But they're like excited because their guy is starting to get it going. And there's usually one guy who's like the traffic cop. He's like, whoa, I know it's awesome, but hang on, stay back, right? I love that. It's my philosophy, dude. I wish we had benches with us in real life. How much better would that be? You rolling up to H-E-B, right, and it's time to pick which lane to go in, and they're both full but all of a sudden, you pick the one that goes much faster. Your bench would be celebrating that. Oh, scan the groceries. Oh, oh. You go through Chick-fil-A. You say, can I get that eight-count nugget? But then they hit you with the 12-count nugget. Your bench, right? Oh, 12. Oh, oh, nuggets, right? I told the high school guys, I said, when that girl finally texts you back, oh, you know, I love that. Well, guess what? In March 12th, 1985, one of the other great all-time basketball players, a guy named Larry Bird, had an amazing game versus the Atlanta Hawks. That night, Larry Bird could not be stopped. He ended with over 60 points. He was so confident. And at one point, he's getting the ball, he's dribbling up the court, and he's pointing to a spot, and he's talking to the other team, and he says, right here, who wants it? And a guy comes out to defend him, and he steps right to that spot and just hits this long-range shot right in the guy. I mean, Larry Bird could not be stopped that night. And here's what's really cool. You know, we talk about bench players. They get excited for their guy. You can look this up later if you think I'm lying. That night, Larry Bird was going off so crazy that the Hawks bench start reacting when he starts hitting these crazy shots. Okay, the opposing team's bench starts like, oh, and they're like catching themselves like, oh, wait, no. Like they, they couldn't believe it. They start reacting because he's just incredible. The opposing team's bench couldn't hold it. You know why? Because they realized they couldn't hold him. They couldn't guard him. They had nobody who could check him that night. Well, guess what? Peter says, take that feeling, multiply it by about a billion times, and that's how the grave felt about Jesus Christ. The grave couldn't hold him, is what he said. He said it was impossible for a grave to hold him down. I bet Jesus even pointed to his tomb and was like, hey, right here, who wants it? You think I'm lying? What did Jesus say about his own life? John 10, 18. Jesus says, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. Look, I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus says it, man. The grave can't hold me. And he backed it up. And what happened? Well, there was this guy named Saul who hated Christians. There was this guy named Saul who persecuted Christians, tried to kill them. He was on the opposing bench, as it were. And the reality of the resurrected Jesus Christ starts to hit his heart. And what happens? He starts reacting. He starts jumping out on the opposing bench. And what happens? He straight up switches jerseys and his name. And he becomes Paul. And he starts roaring the gospel. Because the grave couldn't hold him. It changed everything. 
It changed it all. So here's a question. If our Savior is the one who has conquered death, then what are you afraid of? If our God has power over the grave, man, what's stopping you? What's stopping me from being faithful? Let's summarize it like this. Here it is. The empty grave means the death of fear and the birth of purpose. You exist right now. You have a heartbeat for this reason, to roar the powerful, truthful love of Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. In any way that you can, in any way that he opens the door, this is why you live. This is why you exist. Four quick things you can share because the gospel is true. Number one, forgiveness is real and available. Man, Jesus Christ has paid it all. It's not soft news religion. It's hard good news. Remember, he's done the work for us. Forgiveness is real. It's available to us. Number two, the grave isn't final. We serve a a Savior who has conquered the grave so we can listen to him when he says there is life after this life. It matters what you do right now. For eternity, it matters. The grave's not final. Three, there will be a judgment. Man, if the price of our sin was the cross, then what is the price of rejecting that? There will be a judgment. But the good news, Jesus is the way to life now and forevermore. We could share this. We could share this. There was this video about Michael Jordan back in the 90s, and it was called Come Fly With Me. Uh, younger people, um, this is what's called a VHS tape. It was like an original streaming device. Um, and I love this video. I used to watch it with my buddies all the time. And it's this idea, man, come fly with me, this, this kind of documentary about Michael Jordan's rise. I just want to tell you straight up, um, my stomach and the scars I have can attest, you cannot fly with Jordan, okay? You can't do it. But I always loved that title. It was like this invitation, man, get on this journey with him. See where it goes. Well, guess what, man? That's, that's the call of the Christian life. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. I come that you may have a purpose and a meaning in this life, and it's to rejoice in me and share that with a, with a, with a world that desperately needs to hear it. And come fly with Jesus today and see where he will take you. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here in LaGrange. And Lord, I pray that, God, this, this church would continue the good work of the gospel that there'd be faithful men and women and young people who would rise up and say, my life is surrender to Jesus. Wherever he leads, I will go. Whatever he says, I'll do. God, help us to be faithful and obedient to the, what you've given us. God, we love you. We thank you so much that we serve the living God. We don't serve an idea. We don't serve a philosophy. We serve the one who has conquered the grave. Help us to rejoice in that today and help us to share it with the world that needs to hear. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.